FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables presented by Maxis Tires, Scott Goggles, and Pro Taper. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Tell a friend. All of that. Uh, really great to have you guys. 2006 Washougal. Great race. And uh, we'll talk to the gentleman on the line who uh, who decided to pick this one. But thank you for listening. And, again, thanks to Scott, Maxis, Guts, Decal Works for coming on board with us. Most especially Liat. If you want a discount from the folks at Liat, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com. We'll pass it on, and you can check out what they got, man. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body in the line for the sheer enjoyment. This is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces, covering motocross guys and mountain bike guys head to toe. So please check it out. Uh, Solitaire guys running Liat. And, uh, yeah, many guys out in the pits running this stuff of great protection product and a great company. Thank you to the folks at Liat for coming on board. And, again, thank you to Scott, Maxis, Guts, Decal Works. We'll tell you more about them later. we got the Liat re-raceables categories coming up as well. But uh, let, me, uh, let me dive right into this. First up, on the line, uh, my regular co-host here to talk about uh, Washougal 06, Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Yeah. This is classic uh, stew RC warfare. And I want to mention that everyone that hits us up on Twitter that is always like, why don't you call Stu and Chad and ask about this? Or call Stu and Chad and ask about this. Or They want they have their own stuff. They want to do their own thing. Like, we would love to talk uh, Atlanta 2011, but I think Stu wants to do that with Chad on his own pod. So you can keep requesting, but um, we've asked. And I think James would rather use his own pod for old war stories with his buddies. So keep that in mind. And Stu gave us some time. We talked a few things with Stu a while back. We did perfect season. We did 2008 perfect season. Yeah. But I think he wants to have with RC and Reed, that's a special relationship there. And I think he yeah. wants to tell those stories on his turf. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying we do, we have gotten them and you know, yeah. that's it's yeah. enjoyable. So please check it out yep. uh, on the good. archives. Uh, also on the line, the man who requested this 2006 Washougal from fly racing. It's Jason Thomas. What's up JT? Not too much, and I just want to be clear. I didn't uh, request this because I rode particularly well. Right, right, right. Uh, this was just an unbelievably good race between uh, James and Ricky. So. Yeah, sixteen nineteen for you. Not good. Yeah, not. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, okay. there were there were a lot of days like that in my career. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there oh. were. Uh, yeah, we when we asked you to do this and thought about it, I, I thought oh five Buds Creek was coming. Coming in hot. Oh six. Oh six. I thought that was coming in hot, but yeah, no, no. It. Uh, it, uh, it was yeah, we could have, but I don't even know that they really showed me. Uh, they talk about me mm-hmm. running top ten all day, but uh, yeah, this was just more. I think more interesting. I, I kind of don't care about how I did it. Sure. This race was just an all timer. Uh, yeah, you, it, know, th- you mentioned JT. We did a live show last two years at Washougal. Um, so this is the stark contrast. You talk quite a bit about how coming from Florida, how difficult this track is to ride because it's so slick. So this. So this is the same year you had your best national result ever, and I'm thinking in a similar time of the year, right? Like, that's the difference between Bud's Creek versus Washougal for you? 
Uh, there was a there were a lot of cross currents going on. Um, oh. We kept going back and <clears throat> kept going back and forth between these tubeless tires that Michelin was trying uh-huh. and the the standard setup. Uh, the Bud's Creek, my best result was on those that tubeless setup. And then we were back on standard for this race. So um, I had really good races at the at this particular track. I didn't feel like it was one I was terrible at. Um, but yeah, I was just, you know, there were, there were a lot of mediocre days. If, if I wasn't just feeling it, I would end up in that, yeah, 15 to 17 spot quite a bit. We did All have right, an before, influx of some Japanese ahead. riders as usual. Yeah. We had a couple of Japanese yep. guys pushing you further back, JT. They showed up at Washougal, generally speaking. So, um, this was, yeah, this was a good race. This was really, hold really, on, hold on, okay. hold on, hold oh, on. Well, sorry. Anyone listening to this is going to be like, WTF, did JT just say tubeless tires and it worked? So before we move on from the topic, could you expand on this a little bit? Yeah, so Michelin and a company called called Alpina, which made the rims that these tires went on top of or, or mounted to, had an experiment. Uh, I'm sure they were working on it long before I became part of it, but I did a lot of testing with them trying to make this reality uh, because the upside was the weight savings. Uh, we're talking about like five pounds of weight savings on the rear wheel and two pounds on the front wheel. Wow. Uh, and anybody anybody who knows anything about weight and how it is affected on your your tires or wheels that that is an incredible amount and it you could tell right away suspension handled completely differently the uh the launch capability off the gate was like nothing i'd ever felt before in my life uh, the you know basically that initial movement from stop to start was so much faster just because that's where all the weight starts from right those wheels are get get turning that much quicker with that much less weight. So I'm sure, uh, you know, someone who's very smart in the field of physics could tell you exactly what's happening there, but it was a very, very noticeable thing on the motorcycle. So we kept trying to do it, trying to do it, testing. Um, the, the challenges were, and why we, you know, the, why the project eventually didn't work or make it to consumer level was you had to run a really high pressure for it to stay on the bead. And it was really problematic. So if you weren't, at a track that high, had high traction, uh, it, it was it was tough because you were we were running like 17, 18 pounds of air to, mm-hmm. to be able to make it work. So you lost you didn't have a lot of traction, um, and you needed softer soil tracks to to kind of make up for that and not feel like you're just on ice skates. Secondarily to that, there was this really strange nuance where without tubes in it, if if it did slip off the bead and you were now flat there was really no warning. It didn't have that same feel. So you would just be going and all of a sudden the tire would just roll over because there was no air in it. And I had a huge crash at Redbud simply because of that. Uh, the bead had slipped, it had no air. And I went to scrub a jump and it just, I literally went upside down, like it just flipped about 15 times. Uh, so that, that was kind of like the last straw. Like we tested and tried and tried and tried to fix that problem. I finally said, Hey, I'm going to hurt myself because of this, because there's no warning. Like, I don't care about DNFing a moto, whatever. You know, I'm not going for a championship, but if there, there was really no way to tell and you would be in the middle of a, a race, like, a, you know, moto, like you're not thinking about the tire. You're just going like, that's, you know, that's the level you're at and you would just crash your brains out. So I, we scrapped it there. They went back to the drawing board. And then in the 2007 season, we came back with it for supercross. Like they did all this R and D, all the Michelin engineers were on top of it. We went to Anaheim. I used it all day, and it was really tough because we were still battling that pressure thing. Like, imagine, Steve, when you were at Yamaha, if you told Timmy or Chad they had to race Anaheim with 18 pounds of air in their tire, they would laugh at you, right? It, there's no chance they would ever do that. 
but that's what we were up against. But everything was fine. Got to the main event. It was a little slippery, but it was compromised. And then in the main event, the first lap, uh, we got a flat in the whoops, and I crashed pretty hard. Um, and I was like, okay, well, we're done. And that, that's, that was pretty much the end of the road, and I don't think it went much further than that. So crazy times, though. Um, I'm, you know, and you see, like, that company Tubeless, T-U-B-L-I-S-S. They kind of have a system out there that a lot of off-road guys use. I, I think, you know, whatever that was, the genesis of it was back then. Um, and there, you know, there are systems that work today. It's just not really used in motocross. Yeah, that would be, that'd be tough. No warning and just flat, just like, oh, just like mountain bike. Same thing. Um, yeah, it's you're, scary you're stuff, man. Yeah. And also you, like, think about uh, it when you're leaning, like to scrub a jump is where it got me. You literally lean on the takeoff. Like you're putting mm-hmm. all the pressure on one side of the bike and it just, it doesn't hold like it just pushes, you know, and you're just immediately upside down. It's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I can't imagine they would ever have gotten like Wyndham, you know, Wyndham was a big Michelin guy for a long time. I, I don't think he would have ever gone for it. Like there's too much risk, mm-hmm. but for me, the upside, I got that the best finish of my life with that setup. So I knew what the potential of it was. Also, uh, we, uh, yeah. JT also used the yellow Michelin tires as well. Those were not good. <laughs> I used those. I used those one time. <laughs> one time. Yeah. So I'm assuming there's uh this is uh fastest man in Piedmont, Randy Richardson, part of this process. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Randy was uh the head of all these projects and he was amazing, right? He's not uh he, he is not the one that is, you know, basically putting the work in to develop these things. He is executing the the testing and all that stuff, basically what the engineers are giving him. Um, so certainly nothing against Randy or the efforts he put in, he went over above and beyond always for me to, to make these things work. I think he was just really frustrated that they were having challenges. And then when I'd be laying on the ground, I'm sure he didn't feel great about that either. The, uh, yeah. What a, what, what a, what a crazy time for sure. For those, I remember that. And, uh, JT also raced with the, um, flag pole. The that fl- thing worked. That thing actually worked. <laughs> the back of his swing arm. It did actually. Yeah. Uh, this is a, this is a great race. This is a great um, great summer for sure. I was working for Parts Unlimited uh, back then. This was my first year not being a mechanic, and um, so I was working for Parts Unlimited. I wasn't really doing much media stuff. A little bit for Racer X Canada and stuff. So this summer, I was I was on the side of the track a lot, just hanging out and watching. I just that, that's what I was doing. I didn't have a lot to do during the race day. Weege, I think you're in the Weege. Are you calling the? Is this the one you're calling the action from the track? Yeah, yeah, uh, Vitus and I. Yeah, uh, so I thought I heard your voice. Yeah, I thought I heard your voice a few times. No, Um, no, that was, uh, it was similar, but I think that was, it was not this year. It was Washougal, the first time I had to run it solo, but I think that was 05 or even 04. It was 05. Yes, 05. Okay, so you're. Uh, Because what would happen is it was Tim Cotter and Vitus, and then around Loretta's time, Cotter would have to move to Loretta's for like a month. So then he handed it off to me. And then we were doing a very rudimentary webcast back then using the dial-up internet that they had in the towers at a national. Can you even believe, like, can you imagine what kind of phone line, internet line would they have at Washougal in 2005 mm-hmm. or six? Uh, so it was my <laughs> job to, to, to go webcast somehow. I had to dial in some number with like this weirdo phone bag thing. And of course it would work brilliantly on Friday and Saturday and then Sunday race day would just not work. Um, so it was always a stressful time, but, I mean, we're all fans of Vitus uh, as a trackside announcer, and uh, it was awesome to work with him. I think the announcing, we did a good job. The technology sucked. Yeah. I, and to your point, JT, the racing was awesome this day. I heard yep. uh, I could hear you in the background a little bit, I swore. So oh, I, okay. I, thought, I thought it was you. Uh, yeah. This is on uh, Outdoor Life Network, 
We had a little versus outdoor life network swing there for a few years. This is uh, David Pingree, and then who who's the other who's the play by play guy? Weech? Somebody Drebber. Yeah, Brian uh, Drebber. Brian. He Drebber, actually yeah. passed uh, maybe four years ago. He's kind of an all arounder. Oh man. Yep. Did a lot of uh, road racing, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, hey, it's good. This is Ping's only year doing it. Ping was really good, but it's the only year he, he was did. good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So did did um, Ping did it one year? Did Debo do outdoors one year, or Debo just did one Supercross year? Danny Stevenson. Uh, no, I think Debo might have done the year before or something. Debo okay. definitely did some. Okay. The so there was season. a little bit of a thing there before they found uh, Jeff Emick. Yeah, and I can't remember why it only went one year uh, for Ping. Shoot, I can't remember. Yep. A lot of it was Davey wanted to step aside and because he was doing TV. And then, you know, in his wake, he was, you know, picking guys that he was friends with to, mm -hmm. I think, help out. Um, everybody loves Denny. Everybody loved Ping. Everybody loved Fro. So, and then how Fro eventually got a full-time, I really don't don't remember. But it was a bummer for Ping. He did a good job, but it was one and done. I don't think that was his call. I fig I feel like, uh, Weege, I'm trying to, trying to not use nicknames. We got some criticism on Twitter, so. Um, oh, Denny Stevenson, Jeff Emig, yeah. and no, no, I, I said yep. it to clarify, but you, yeah, I'm going to yes. try to, I'm going to try to say the names so. We... No, these people are correct. Like we say, JMB. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean Jean Michel Bale to some of our listeners. No, well, right, exactly. So, yeah. uh, so as I was saying, uh, this was a really good summer. This was Stu. So Stu, an 05 Stu moves up, but he's on a two-stroke, and yeah, it goes about as well as you would think. Uh, 06 now, Cowie's got that 450. Stu's on there, and JT between Redbud, between Hangtown, Unadilla, High Point, there are some epic races that Ricky comes out on top basically every time but until Stu crashes or until Ricky catches them uh, uh, and pulls away these two I mean they are gone and, and looking back JT maybe we should appreciate this summer a little more because it was something else man yeah it was incredible uh, this this whole year and, and this moto the first moto in particular, it would have been really interesting because there weren't many times Redbud, uh, first moto Redbud was there until Chad's chain broke. But this moto also Chad had the pace. Like it was one of those days where he was just on and he ends up having a big crash in the back, uh, and taking himself out of the thing. Uh, but yeah, it was typically these two and they just absolutely went at it. And I think, I think Stu was, you know, as, Per the usual, Stu was able to go faster, but Ricky was just so tenacious and just would not let go. Like it was just mm -hmm. winning by refusal <laughs> of losing uh, more than anything. The guy was just unbelievable at, uh, you know, overcoming adversity or if someone was better than him on a day, he would just find a way to win. Of course, he was fast and all those things, but. There were so many times where I'm like, yeah, Stu's just better today, and then Ricky would find a way mm -hmm. to get it done. I think about Red Bud. Stu had a nice lead. It was uh, it was hot. Stu had a good lead, and Ricky just chip, 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 chipped away at it, you know? Um, yep. And this race, in this race, he even crashes in the second moto. Burner goes down, and he gets caught up in it, and he still catches Stu. And we'll get to what happens after that. But, uh, yeah. You know, one, one note I want to add before we get away from that. If you think about all this summer, right, and how – tough it was for for james to to fight through those things the emotion that you saw from him at vancouver supercross where he kind of like toys with ricky a little bit that's really why he was so because of all these things that would go on before and after ricky would just 
beat him in a submission time after time after time. And Stu got that one time where he was just able to outlast them at Vancouver and, and kind of show Ricky the fast way around. Um, I think that, you know, like at, in the moment, everybody was like, man, it's just one race. Like, why are you, you know, making such a big deal about winning that Vancouver race? But it was all of these moments, you know, not only before, but after mm-hmm. that as well. But I think uh, you just saw the outpouring of emotion there. Weege, pretty special summer with th- with these two. Yeah, a couple things that are interesting about that, even to what you just said there, JT. I think, you know, we had seen Carmichael take the torch from McGrath, right? So I think if you're Stu, you're thinking like, okay, yes, I am taking my licks from this guy, but eventually I will figure it out. So I feel like whenever he would get his head above water and would be able to get a win, it was kind of celebrated as in a, okay, I think I figured this out. And look, if you're James Stewart, you have every reason to think that eventually when you figure things out, you can't be beat. You've never been beat in your whole life. But the problem was also Ricky had never been beat in his whole life. And then he would come back and then the the charade would go on again of more great racing between the two of them. Um, so I feel like we were always waiting for that inevitable Stu takeover. And occasionally he'd win a race and he'd be like, oh, I wonder if this is it. And I think Carmichael was motivated by that, was mm-hmm. paranoid by it. Like someday he might get me and I got to keep working. And then also learning, obviously, I've worked alongside these guys in the booth quite a bit the last couple of years. And uh, hearing James' approach to these races. So remember how a couple races this year, uh, Sexton would catch Jet and it would be like, okay, he's going faster. And then Jet would suddenly, all of a sudden, hold him off and then start pulling away again. Stu talked quite a bit about how he eventually learned, look, I'm never going to out-tenacious or out-fitness RC. Like, if I try to hold this three-second lead for the next 30 minutes, it ain't going to happen. So a lot of times it'd be like, oh, well, uh, he's going to catch me, and then it's on. And you did see him both motos here. Ricky catches him, gets him, and you're like, well, he caught him from three or four seconds. He's going to get away. And then James would stick with him. And you're like, how did he do that? But James, I think, eventually started figuring out ways to meter out his energy in sections and in parts of the race to try to be ready when the battle was on. And that's what made these good. Cause I don't think anyone was going to just out fitness Ricky for 30 minutes. Right. But he knew if he could turn it into a race of bursts and rest, he could do it. And that led to a pretty wild day on this one. Uh, the, it, it is funny. Like Ricky's gone on the record as saying, you know, like I didn't want to go that fast. Uh, I didn't want to do what James was going to die to win. And I didn't want to at that point. And I think that's all true. And 07, Ricky does a part-time schedule, right? But I don't think that's true for outdoors. Like, Ricky's talking Supercross. I think if Ricky wanted to just do an outdoor-only schedule for 07 and 08 and maybe 09, oh, yeah. he would have been fine. Like, I don't think there was any issue. Well, I, don't, I don't think he was having to be on the limit like he was in Supercross. No. You know, yeah. like, no. Just the ask of him was much different. That's what yep. I'm saying. Like, he had yeah. he had James's number this summer, and he had it the next year if he wanted it. And, like... Yeah, he could have just kept going outdoors for a while. It didn't He didn't want to do that. But when he talks about, hey, I saw the future and I, I didn't want to go that fast, he's talking super cost because, yeah, he's got this outdoors. And, yeah. and, well, you, and, think about, you, know? you think about the 08 season when James comes back from surgery. Like James was just kind of managing races. Like Ricky would have stomped everybody. Yeah. And that was that was James's perfect season. You know, like Ricky would have killed everybody, in my opinion, in that series had he still been around. Well, Timmy. Timmy was right there in that oh perfect season, but um, it was. I, I I know you're making a silly reference, but he lost every moto to a guy that barely started riding. Okay, moving on. Uh, we'll have to agree, <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. That's it. That's all. That's it. Uh, oh, this is uh, yeah. This is this is a great year, and we don't really. I like again, like looking back on it, I watched a couple of highlights, and I watched this race back, and I'm like, 
holy shit. Like these dudes, there was some great passes in this one, especially between these two guys. Stu, uh, Stu coming in on that right-hander, like coming underneath them, and Ricky getting them back in the little tight chicane stuff. And you're just like, man, it, 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 was, it was awesome. And I don't think we appreciated it at the time and looking back on it. Yeah, it was. But if you're ever coming in like as a new fan, or maybe you're just a casual person who happened to be tuning into OLN for some reason that day. Yeah, really, right. (laughs) This race would tell you how much they really didn't like each other at the time. Yeah, you know, like they were not big fans of each other whatsoever, and it was it was apparent in their riding. Like they were elbowing each other and getting really, really aggressive in this race. And there were, there were a lot of races where they didn't, you know, they could, you could tell they were both on the limit, but they yeah. didn't really run into each other. And this one, it was like, they just kept doing it over and over and over. And they really couldn't get away. Like, you know, Ricky would try to pull away and then James would get back out front. He tried to pull away and they, they really couldn't do much until Ricky ended up, you know, making that big mistake. And Weege, of course, this is the race too. And James and Ricky have both talked about it separately uh, with me. And, and they probably talked about it with you where James was slowing down to let Ricky by, as you said, to try to, you know, just make it a burst race or whatever. And Ricky was like, no, I don't want to go yet. I'll get you later. So I'm slowing down. And, yeah, it's in the back after Horsepower Hill. And these two guys are just like, yeah, cat and mouse game. Yeah, uh, it's pretty legendary now that they talk and joke about this. And they've talked about it uh, even privately with me around. So I think what it came down to was RC, and you'll hear him say this on every freaking TV broadcast. RC loves to sit in second place. He does not like to have dudes right on him. He'd rather sit in second for 20 minutes or 10 laps, maybe in a supercross, and then go around instead of having someone just pressuring him and pressuring him. Uh, So I don't think he wanted to necessarily lead. And I think James eventually figured that out. And then they started the strategy game of like, well, if you don't want to lead, I'm going to let you lead and vice versa. And what's really funny, I mean, I found this out. I think they found this out just recently. Just recently, at some race this year, they were having a conversation like during commercial break, and James is like, yeah, I always felt like I rode better if I had someone right behind me. I'd rather have someone right behind me than someone right in front of me. And Ricky's like, really? (laughs) He's like, dude, I was the exact opposite. I hated when people were right behind me. I would rather be in second than first. And James is like, oh, I'd rather have a guy behind me and kept me focused. And it led to, I think in this race, they each had the opposite thing they wanted to do. Um, one wanted the lead, one wanted to follow, and then they're slowing down, as the legend goes, to try to stop each other from doing what they wanted to do. Like, you go, no, you go, no, you go. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty impressive race. Look, JT, Stu wins. Uh, we'll give it away here. Stu wins, goes 2-1. But Ricky catches and passes him in first moto. And then second moto, Ricky goes down, like we said, with Burner. Picks up real quick, but he's seventh, he's eighth, whatever he is, and slowly works up and gets James with, like, three laps to go. And then tucks the front going up the little single, a uh, little roller scrub thing, and goes flying. Uh, a pretty good crash, JT. But regardless of that crash that you know Ricky was super pissed about, and he goes 1-2 on the day, a really impressive race by Ricky in both motos. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a really impressive race in a sea of really impressive races. Um, the guy was just next level. I thought it was really interesting. Um, after the first moto, you know, Ricky goes over and pulls James aside. And uh, it would be interesting to hear what he says there. It's obviously a pretty warm embrace. I think he just says, like, what an incredible race that yep, was. But yep. uh, I think, you know, as much as I don't think they cared for each other, when you both are going that fast and you look back and you're, you know, who knows, 30 seconds ahead of anyone else, mm-hmm. there has to be a level of respect there of, like, what 
what they're actually accomplishing and what they're capable of there. So um, I felt like that was always the case. Like I would, it, it really depended on the results sometimes too. Like I would hear Ricky really not be a fan of James at times. Like say you, you could just tell he was so bitter towards him. And then other times he would be like, man, like the guy's so freaking good. Like I hate racing this guy. So it was, it, I think it was just this mm-hmm. balancing act of dislike because they, you know, that's the rival. That's what you're supposed to do. But also like they watch it, like Ricky would watch James ride, especially Supercross, And you just be like, how in the world is he doing that? You know, and it kind of yeah. commands a respect. Uh, good crash by Ricky second moto. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's really late, right? Isn't it like two? Laps yeah, to two go or, or three something? laps to go. Yep. Yep. And uh, that was right in front of our announcer's tower. And the crazy thing, yeah, he like, I guess does he catch a peg trying to scrub that like wall jump? Is that what it is? I don't think so. I think he just pushes I think the he front. Just uses the front tire. Yeah. yeah. And oh, he, just washing. I think going he up pushes the, the front into a hole, and that okay. hole stops it. And yeah. The nutty thing about it is the dude was so ridiculously determined. Uh, I remember seeing photos of this or watching it in slow mo. Like, he's crashing for sure. He's going flying off the bike for sure. Mm-hmm. But the last thing he does is let go with the right hand. Like, he was still – there was nothing connected to the motorcycle at all. He is doing a flying W. Yeah. It is like Travis Pastrana-level freestyle. But he is trying still to keep his right hand on the throttle. It is just so programmed of, like, always grab throttle, never let go. And, hey, and and so – and then he gets up and gets second. He's that far in front. Like, he bounces up. Oh, yeah. You know, and he chads in third. But uh, – but. Yeah. Uh, JT, speaking of Chad, yeah, like you mentioned, he was in front uh, in Moto 1 looking good, and uh, he washes the front and, and goes goes down pretty hard, too. So, yeah, Chad was yeah, on that's it. Yeah, typical. that's typical Washougal. Yep. I mean, if, if, you're not, if you're not pushing the front and on the edge of control, you're definitely not going fast enough. So, um, uh, this is JT. So, this is you're riding with Chad, right? 06? This is you? Uh, just kind of... Yes, I would have been absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah July, August. That right. would have been like uh, probably eight or nine months in. This yep. is Chad's last year at Factory Yamaha uh, before he goes to LNM, right? 07, he goes to LNM. Yep. Um, so, how frustrated do you remember him being behind the scenes at this? Um. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, no. He, well, I don't remember him really complaining about the team all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, because he stayed on the same bike, right? Like, he still was on a Yamaha. So. Yeah, but this was a brand new bike, if you remember. This is the first year of aluminum frame, Yamaha? Yeah, I, I just – I don't remember him saying, like, I got to get off. Okay. Uh, I, I got to get off this team. You, if anybody remembers, there's a pretty infamous thing that happened at Redbud when his chain breaks. You can actually hear Chad in the background telling his agent, Bob Moore, you got to get me off that – you got to get me off this – out of that contract, Bob. You can literally hear it. The TV cameras pick it up. You know, Chad is so furious about his chain breaking in that situation. He's like, you got to get me out of this contract, Bob. We ended up staying on a Yamaha anyway. Um, but that was also the infamous L&M money that came in, which is was San Manuel Casino that mm-hmm. renamed it to something else. Uh, but that was the biggest deal in the sport, bigger than Ricky's deal. It was a, it was a $5 million deal uh, just with L&M and Yamaha. And then Ricky's was lower than that mm-hmm. so that's why chad ended up staying uh was because of all that money and then fast forward to the to april of 2008 and that's when chad and his agency overplayed their hand and james stewart took that five million dollar deal uh going into the 09 season 
So, so, so did did Chad's chain break in, this year at Redbud 06? In 06, 06 okay. Redbud, so yes. When he I was, was winning the moto and his chain derailed. So when I was on the team, uh, 05 Redbud was when his carburetor fell off and he just dropped the bike and right. walked, walked off. Walked off. So there too. So two years in a row for Chad at Yamaha and Redbud, not not great. Um, yeah, he goes three three on the day, but like outside of that crash, you just you never see him. Um, Millsaps gets both starts, one start for sure. Um, at this race, that, that Honda that year, the 05, I like the chassis better, but yep. I'm sure the engine, you know, the engine didn't really change. That bike was ridiculous. 05 and 06 factory Honda 450 was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they were, in my opinion, they were pretty far ahead of everyone as far as, uh, the motorcycle at that time. Shout out to Dan Sani too. Dan Sani, both he starts up front. Both, yeah. But Dan. on the, on the broadcast, it's Dan Sani and, uh, uh, good starts, both motos. He goes 10-10. He was a good rider. Yeah. I always thought he was a Pac was, Northwest uh, guy, but it says here he's from California, but I always thought he was yeah, a... Yeah, he uh, was also on... Uh, I, so I was, I was riding a Tokyo Mods uh, Honda 450, mm-hmm. and it was pretty slow, to be fair, um, and, and that was Ron Wood. Uh, he was former factory Honda, yeah. was on the engine in the engine department there, and I kept, I would ask him all the time. Well, I, I shouldn't say I asked him all the time. I asked him multiple times, like, hey... Like, I know you know how to build a fast motorcycle. I'm looking at the factory Hondas, and that thing's ridiculous. My bike's a turd. Like, what are we doing here? And uh, he basically just said, it's, yeah, the, the parts that you need to make your bike fast are really expensive, and, and Chuck won't pay for them. So this is, like, yeah, your bike's close you to stock. Like, yeah. you have a different cam. You have a little bit more compression. But, yeah, I, I can understand why you think your bike's really slow, because it probably is. Uh, that, <laughs> that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that really sucked, because... I was coming off of a pro circuit bike in 05 that had been developed for Troy Lee's supermoto team. And that thing was an absolute fire breather. And then I went to this 06 bike that, yeah, we just didn't put any money into it, which was a complete turd. Uh, is this Millsap's first year at Honda? Uh, no, he was on an 05. 05? Okay. Four, he All was right. Suzuki and then he went in 05. All right. I wasn't sure. He, he he looks like a monster on this 450. And I was thinking to myself, was he on an RMZ250 the year before? Because he looks big. Um, by the way, before this we... is, uh, he, he got on the 450 at like Dallas Supercross yeah. this year in 06. And then he stayed on it. Uh, thank you to the folks at Decal Works for coming on board. By the way, PulpMX23 is the code to save. Decal Works, official graphics of the Husqvarna Off-Road team and the Red Bull KTM team as well. They can design everything for you, put your logos where you want, send you the proof. You can move things around. They can make you graphics, numbers, all of that. Decal MX, the best part is PulpMX23 uh, is the code to save. So use the code PulpMX23 at Decal Works to save. And thanks to the folks at Maxxis Tires as well. They got a, they got a paddle tire. They have a soft intermediate, intermediate to hard terrain tires now. The, a new ones that they've launched, uh, developed by that Jeremy McGrath guy. And, uh, yeah, uh, Jess Kessler using Maxxis Tires. A-Ray put Maxxis Tires into a main event this year. So Maxxis.com, great mountain bike tires as well. I like the Minion tire for out here in uh, in Vegas. But please check out Maxxis for more information on that. And uh, Scott and Guts will tell you about more uh, as well. But Liat as well, Liat.com. Uh, whether it is the Flex Lock boots, whether it's the Velocity goggles, they've got you covered. Uh, the Solitaire guys using uh, Liat as well. And, uh, yeah, thanks to the folks at Liat. If you want to use a – want to save at Liat.com, send us an email using the contact form on Pulp, and we'll send you a code to save direct from the folks at Liat. So thank you to those guys. Um, Weege, uh, big talk in this broadcast about PEDs. Lots of PED talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was talked about at the very beginning. Erin Bates does a report. She's a 
reporter. And she actually holds up the AMA rulebook. And I can't believe they just put this on the air. But she reads, the rulebook uh, does not allow recreational drugs, including marijuana and cocaine. Um, I mean, they, they said it on the show. Good good for them. But she neither makes does, the point that... Neither does American law either, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so good on you, AMA. Uh, cocaine's not allowed. But she does bring the point of, you know, there's performance-enhancing drugs, and that's really the buzz. JT, you follow the cycling thing more than I do, and she does mention baseball, which should run through it. Uh, I was very into it around this time. Like, this this time period, I was pretty much obsessed with the Tour de France. Well, what I'm wondering is, I think, Steve, you were also like, why are they bringing this up? Is it because it was such a hot topic in cycling and baseball? It was really taking control of the headlines, so it kind of just led to, like, well, is it happening here? Do you think that's why? Uh, I think yes, but there was also this huge buzz in the pits. Um, there was, oh. and it doesn't matter now. I don't need to name names, but there were there were some some heavy hitters in the industry that were basically telling the AMA, "You have to do something about this." There are a lot of people that are pushing the envelope and doing things they shouldn't be doing. You know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a rule against it, so I, yep. I shouldn't even say doing things they shouldn't be doing. If this was another sport, they would be uh, out of bounds. And whether they were or weren't, not for me to decide. But that, to me, that's why you started. There was a, a real buzz in the pits about this. And I think some people were like, hey, we're going to start calling some people out if you guys don't do something about this because it's getting rampant. Uh, and then you had all the all the stuff happen in the tour. So I just think it was kind of convenient timing to bring it up. Whether or not you knew or sitting at home, anything there, there was a lot of talk about it. Yeah, I mean, they're they're, you know, they talk about it in the beginning and they talk about bringing it in and it's a good thing and let's 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 you know let's do something about this and then Ping brings it up again. Uh, Drebber and Ping talk about it in the beginning of the second moto or the first moto about ten minutes yep. in. They start talking about Floyd Landis and 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 Floyd at this point had been caught uh, and was denying everything and Ping says, "Well, we wish him the best or something." <laughs> yeah, hopefully he's cleared of yeah, all. Hopefully he's, he's cleared. Clear. He did not get cleared. But I think yeah. I think at the time, from what I remember, and I, I remember it pretty clearly, there was just a lot of like, "Hey, there are a lot of people taking a lot of things, and everybody else is looking at it going, yeah, and what? Like they're they're not doing anything wrong. Like it, it was the wild wild west, and I yeah. think that was what yeah." people were complaining about is like not only was it technically you know people were saying like this is unfair it shouldn't be like this it was also like people are doing things that could irreparably harm their health mm -hmm. long term and they have no idea what they're doing so there's got to be something some sort of regulation or somebody doing something here because i remember hearing people like this guy's doing that and this and all sorts of things because there was you know, no, yeah why not why wouldn't you try it right why? there yeah. were drugs that were designed to help People be stronger, faster, fitter, all those things. And, and anything where there's a lot of money on the line, people are going to look for an edge. Yeah. So yeah. I just think it was that time where it was time to make that move, which is where you see Eric Kehoe and these people. And Ricky, you know, to Ricky's credit, he's like, yeah, please, I'll be the first. Like, let's do this. Yeah, it was, it was you know, for years they would just test Daytona and Steel City and they would test for weed and cocaine. And that's it. And we're Wait, moving. You know what races? Yeah. Yeah, it was the same yeah, races every year. Yeah. Yeah. If you if there was a there was a you know Jay um, gosh what is Jay's last name Mitchell Mitchell yeah his yeah. father was a doctor and oh. if if his father was at he was the test doctor for the AMA and if Jay's dad was at the race you knew they were testing that was your cue I mean I was like a kid right I, yeah. and I didn't do any drugs or I didn't even drink at the time but I I just remember that being the the cue if he was there mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, you better lay off the weed for a month before that. I, that I, is it, it hashtag was, never changed. And then, of course, there's the infamous, you know, Jeff Willow, right? He got his name oh, yeah. pulled at Steel City and was like, I'm out. I'm not racing yep, today. Robbie Horton, also um, Daytona. Yeah. But, uh, it, there, yeah, it was it was definitely something was going on because, yeah, Ping and Drebber bring it up. Uh, there's a aim. There's a feature before the race about it, and uh, it was on. It was a hot topic. I remember, and I have no proof to this, but we were so, – the whole pits were into Lance back then, and I was at Yamaha, and the, the, the tour was on the TV during the day and, 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 and everything else. And I remember telling those guys, like Spencer was around, and Jeff Spencer was his chiropractor, so there was a, a real sense of like, hey, we're – you know, we're Team Lance here uh, because we have the guy and, and, and all this. And I remember saying, he's cheating. He's cheating because he, oh God. I swear to God. And guys at Yamaha were getting so mad at me. And I'm like, no, he's smashing these records. Like, he was smashing these time trial uh, records. And it's like, how is that possible? How is that? This is even? very on brand for you, though. Uh, I know. It, I'm oh, telling totally you. totally is. I'm telling totally you. Totally is. I, again, I, I got I, – I, at one point, someone at Yamaha was – really mad at me for even bringing this up because he was and i'm like okay i better stop like i you know i better stop talking about this because you know people are getting really mad but yeah thank you thank you i appreciate That's it well, so, you you are relentless so with things like this well but right. i mean when you read about it and you saw the record cared that was the whole thing like everybody was cheating steve like everybody yes. was cheating and like, that, if you ask me deep down do i think he's cheating i'd be like yeah because yeah all these guys this but is the culture of it that's right? exactly so, like, what i was saying too like the guys behind yeah. them are getting caught they're cheating you yeah. know what i mean it's well, not the top 58 out of 61 racers in that like two decade span all got popped so like yeah. that, that's where my problem is is every he shouldn't have said a lot of the things he did and whatever but like to single him out as like he's cheating like yeah okay well, well is it really cheating if everybody's cheating but it was put on a he was put on a mantle of being this you know not cheating that's guy saying, and, and, and that's what's cheating if, if and i'm like wait cheating is every is anyone cheating well yes yes absolutely especially the things that he was saying and doing and accusing no i understand right? i understand yeah. he did a lot of said a lot of the wrong things and made people out to be villains that weren't i, I get all that i mean I, he, i'm not, I'm not he, arguing any of that he basically ruined uh greg lamont's you know uh, uh stuff so um unlike steve the march into the pits with a counter argument to the way most people in the pits feel i, I mean it's it's the most i'm, I'm not saying steve was wrong I'm just yeah, saying it's no. one of the most on-brand things I've ever heard. It is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like I said, people at Yamaha were getting really mad. I'm like, okay, I just better stop. Like, I just – let me go work on my bike. Well, nobody wants nobody <laughs> wants their hero to get trounced right in front of them. Yeah, you yeah. Know I mean? No, that's fine. Um, listen, um, I'm, bo- know, it, I'm cynical by nature. I'm a cynical guy uh, yes. by no. nature. Yep. No. Yep. Shocking. What uh, I find – Couple things. They, the drug testing did eventually come via uh, WADA with the FIM and Supercross and then USADA. And by the way, they do still have it this year. I, it, it's been, I guess, it doesn't get talked about much, but it still exists. I met uh, JT those media days that we'll have at Angel Stadium in the beginning of December this year. Uh, yep. Last year, the riders got to meet the new, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a new drug testing group. Uh, and we met the people behind that last year in December. They'll probably have them again. They do do drug testing again. I just want to make it clear that it does still exist, and there have been random races this year with the PED testing. But the one thing that about all this PED stuff that makes me laugh, someone had to, I think it might have been Carmichael in this, had to give the classic, you know, but I don't know how much it would help. And <laughs> it's just laughable to me because – Baseball players who do the same thing. They're like, how does a steroid make you, you know, swing a bat more, like, better? That's a skill. That's a skill. And and riding the motorcycle is a skill. You know, hard work is what does it. Yeah, but the problem is when you're complete, competing at the highest level, professional level, everybody's good. 
everybody's putting in the maximum amount of work. It, it, no one is saying that these drugs could take someone who does not train practice or have any talent whatsoever, and they could win by simply injecting themselves with drugs. This is at the elite level. You're trying to gain half a yeah. percent, a tenth just, of a percent, raises, and that's the difference between millions of dollars and, and not. Yeah. That's, it, it lifts, it lifts I always love that argument. How would it help? Well, I can tell you how it helped. Did you watch baseball? You had right. really good baseball players get even better. Um, yeah, and, that's the difference. Also, we we hear from noted uh, expert scientist Matt Walker in here telling us hard work is the best drug. <laughs> hard work and, and is the best wrong. drug. He's okay. not wrong. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not wrong. Right, but, but well, hard, hard work is not a drug. Hard work is not a drug, also, Matt. That's that's number one. <laughs> where science was at the time, you know, we're seventeen years removed from that as far as. All these things coming out, the Balco scandal and all these, we we know so much more about what all of these things unlock and what, how much higher your VO2 max can be and all these things. So, um, yeah, I, I, it doesn't shock me to hear someone say something like, wow, it may not matter all that much. Now we know it does. Like, you know, I, I still think there is a, a talent ceiling that is impossible to overcome, but I do think you can be one, two, 5% better than you were because yeah, you train more, you can train more, your BI2 max is higher. You can, you can hold a higher heart rate for longer. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of things that these, that these drugs allow people to do that you normally wouldn't be able to do. So to your point, Weege, it's still the same scope, but yeah, you're not, you're never going to be as good as you possibly could be without those things that are running through your system as well. Well, so, recovery, I right? I hate that argument. Recovery. I hate that argument. <laughs> I mean, it bothers me so much. Weege, I mean, at what I could understand that argument back in the day a little bit because we didn't know that much. But like JT said, like now at this point with all the scandals and all the things that we know, yeah, it's just simply ridiculous to to even go there now at this point. Maybe back in the Barry Bonds McGuire days, right? But you know, at least that one, well, it, it's, it made to some me it's sense. Really in- so. Yeah, what what I find really interesting uh, on the Lance topic, so. This is going to be a little bit in the weeds for some listeners, but um, Michaela Ferrari was Lance Armstrong's doctor, right? And he is world-renowned for being the best in his field at this, right? Taking whatever ability you have and maximizing it, turning whatever athlete he can find and making them the best possible athlete they can be or the best possible athlete on earth. And in his own words, they've, you know, I've watched a lot of documentaries. I've read books on, on him and by him. And – Really, to, uh, the easiest way to put it in just synopsis is with Lance specifically. You know, a lot of people have asked him, like, "Hey, were we, you know, were we close to like what someone's physically capable of with Lance?" And he's like, "No, we, we were nowhere near it. Like, we weren't even in the same conversation of what was possible. All I was trying to do is get him the best we could be without it being ridiculously noticeable. Like, if if you just took the." the handcuffs off and let me go crazy with him he would have won every every stage by a couple of minutes he would have been so much better than everybody i was just trying to leave some sort of reasonable doubt that he was <laughs> the best guy right like because if you just let me go crazy it would be so obvious he might as well have a syringe in his arm in the middle of the race you know um so that that's to me was one of the most powerful things is like i would i was just always straddling this thing of like ah can we go can I get up? Can I make him this strong without it being obvious? And and even then, people like Greg Lamond are like, "Dude, you got to be kidding me with this guy!" Like, 
he's clearly cheating. Like he's not even, he's not even breathing hard in some of the stages, right? The experts of that sport. He's like, I'm watching his body language and these guys are on the limit and he's cruising. Like that is not, that's not naturally possible. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's mm. just, if you really want to go deep into that stuff, there's, there's a lot there to uncover. Well, hopefully it worked out for Floyd. Hopefully it worked out for Floyd. <laughs> so. Hopefully he's cleared of all charges. <laughs> um, by the way, too, coming back to this race, um, Coming into this round, it was uh, round eight, I believe, and in reading the recap, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, round eight. So there have been seven races before this, 14 motos, and in reading the recap, Stewart had missed five motos due to crashes, uh, Unadilla, bike pro- he had a bike problem uh, at Southwick or whatever. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Stewart had missed five races, or five motos up until this point. So it was really, Chad Reed was second in points, but it was, yeah the stew and rc show whenever they did show up so um yeah plenty to god they're hanging it out oh god, it's when, great yeah yeah the precision like if you watch a you know if you go to watch washugal this year and watch sexton putting pressure on jet the precision they're riding with compared to these two they are just these two are just hitting shit wide open that's pretty much <laughs> the strategy yeah yeah it was uh it was quite quite a day for these two guys uh also 2006 lee at re-raceables washugal uh, I don't know if you guys remember, we, we're going to touch on the lights class. Again, thank you, Steve Whitelock, for these great names, uh, MX Lights and then Supercross class and the Supercross. That's great. But um, Andrew Short, gone. Gone, I believe. Uh, RV's bike breaks in one moto, gets second the next one. But I think this thing, Andrew Short, factory Honda, uh, CR250, gone both motos, I believe, if I remember right. Great day. 1-1 one, one for Shorty. I talked to him. I kind of forget how good Shorty was at times uh, I, in 250 class outdoors. He won a couple. JT, you're going to like this. I texted with him and asked him uh, what he thought, and he said, great day, yellow fly gear looked good on the Honda. <laughs> I was so bummed after not winning in Colorado, uh, which was the week before. He goes, I think it showed there. So that's Andrew Short's quote about Washugal 06. Yep. It's uh, also very on brand for Shorty. Um, God, I love that guy. I also, uh, in in the aspect of uh, of you know complete journalism here, um, when we're talking about Washugo 06, uh, Tim Ferry goes seven four, and I checked in with him. He was Moto Triple X this year uh, after the factory Yamaha. After I ruined him, he lost his rod. Moto Triple X. I checked in with him. Uh, I said, "What do you? What happened, Washugo 06? Uh, no clue, man. Like, don't even remember a single lap about it. Nothing." <laughs> That's perfect. That's great. That is that is that's that's exactly what I'd like to hear. That is on brand. The man goes seven four on the day, and uh, yep. He said, "What's the story on it?" I said, "We're doing a podcast on it." Okay. And then I do remember a little bit about that day with him. Okay. Um, That was right around the time that he signed his uh, Cowie deal, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was leaving Triple X and going to Cowie, and I, I don't think he cared at all. He got this is a really interesting story about Timmy's year is he remember he didn't even qualify for the opener at Moto Triple X. He had a rough year and then he went and purchased PC stuff, a show of suspension, and got Bones to do his stuff. And to this day he credits Bones with turning his career around because he put the he put the PC stuff on PC show of stuff on his Honda around Redbud and the results just took off. And then, yep, like you said, JT, Mike Fisher signed him. And if you talk to him, he tells you all about how Bones saved his career because the buying that suspension, Triple X wouldn't buy it for him, wouldn't get it for him. He did it himself, and 
he he really started gelling with the bike outdoors. So yep. But he remembers nothing about Washugalo Six, which is also great. That's that's perfect. That is. Somewhere Steve was arguing a point that everyone in the pits disagreed on, and Timmy doesn't remember the day. It's pretty much. Pretty much nailed it. Pretty, pretty much perfect, yeah. Uh, again, Dan, Daniel Sani, 10-10. Good job uh, for him on the day. Mike Brown makes an appearance in Moto2 on the rock star Suzuki. Uh, with, Good uh, starts to Mike Brown. Yeah. That's all you can ever really count on in this world. This is the Mills-J-Law Hamblin team, I think. Uh, and Mike Brown, you know. J-Law, yep. J-Law yep. was there. Mike Brown, Mills. Yeah. Who else? There was other people on that team too. Uh, my, uh, my favorite team of all time. It my is favorite yep. team ever. Yeah, you yep. love it. Um, to to put Mills and J Law together with Mike Brown on a team. Hamblin was Hamblin. Hamblin. I yeah. think it was Hamblin as yeah. well. Yep. Yeah. And um, Suzuki, if you remember, they had the Kawasaki Suzuki twin bike, right? And then Cowie finally came out with their own, and then Suzuki was stuck on the old one for one more year. So you knew that the 250 bike would be complete garbage, and that they'd have Mike Brown dealing with these three kids. Mm-hmm. at the same time but by the end of the year they're all starting to for some reason move to the 450 class i wonder why yeah who knows why but yeah brownie gets mm, a good start why. brownie gets a good start in moto two uh windham five seven on the day don't really see him at all either moto he's in there a little bit briefly but there's not much there's not much uh, kevin windham talk at all off day for him um and then yeah Millsaps is up front both motos and goes four six on the day and so yeah, uh, that is uh, Washugal 06. What a what a special time um, for sure in the sport. All right, before we do the Liat Racing re-raceable categories, uh, thank you to the folks at Scott Goggles, our guy Johnny Knowles. Uh, Scott Sports has been providing the best in goggle technology in all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years. Scott is the global leader in innovation, technology, and design. They've always been this proud to support racing from grassroots all the way to the top step. And uh, Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. So the top, top Scott guy of this race would have been Chad Reed. Uh, at this point, 3-3 on the day. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Thank you to those guys. Uh, Guts Racing as well. Pulpamex 23 is the code to save with Guts. Uh, complete seats, a lightweight seat foam, gripper seats. You can design your own seats at Guts Racing. Uh, whatever it is, whatever color you want, whatever traction you want. Uh, uh, retro covers as well. They do that. Foams for all sorts of bikes. Pulpamex 23 is the code to save with Guts Racing. Thank you to the folks at Guts for coming on board. Decal Works and Maxis as well. And, of course, the uh, the folks at Liat as well. JT, we do this thing called the Liat Race Re-Raceables Categories. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but a lot of times we'll text you and say, what happened this day? That's because we're doing a Re-Raceables and we need your information. So, okay. yeah, uh, ready. You, you are part of the uh, categories. All right. Liat Racing Re-Raceables Categories. Weege, who really won the race? It's a tough one, but uh, I think I'm going to go with James Stewart. See, you're wrong. Oh. Carmichael catches and passes him, even crashes in a moto, and still passes him for the lead. And yeah, he had the flying through the air thing, but Carmichael was the real winner of this race. He 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 deserved this one. He, he should have went 1-1. Great day for Carmichael. Uh, so uh, RC, I'm going to say RC. JT, what, what say you? I'll go uh, Daniel Sani. Okay. With, uh, ninth, ninth overall, um, you look at the people he beat and really a career that most people ha- would never even know happened, that's a really solid day. Yeah, yeah. We, we have these guys that show up in um, the re-raceables, and we're like, look at that. This dude can forever walk around saying he got 14th in a, in a 250 Supercross main event, you know? So, yep. uh, yeah, Donnie, Dan, Dan Sani, as they said. 
Uh, who's that guy? Weege, what do you got? No, uh, these are tough in these days. I mean, we're all at the races. There's not many people we don't remember. I think the highest finishing guy I don't know the name of, and I'm sure our man Seth Rarick will be like, how do you not remember? Uh, I do not know Tony Sherman from California who got 30th in two, 250 class. So sorry, Tony. Who's that guy? JT, who you got? Um, it's a good question. There was a there was a ton in the back end of this field. I'm going to go with uh, who who did you say? T- Weech? I went with uh, Tony was it? Sherman. Tony Sherman. Tony yeah. Sherman. Okay, I, I, that's why I, I want to make sure I didn't double up. I have Tony Boughton from Arlington, Washington. Clearly a local guy. Boughton, Boughton. I, I I don't know who that is. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thirty-one twenty-five. I'll just go easy with this one. Carado Toda. <laughs> See, I know who Toto was. I remember him. Ah, uh, you know. Now that I think about it, I do. I think I do remember Toto. Yeah, yeah, I do remember Toto. But I'll go yeah, Toto. Any- yeah, I'll go. Uh, but are any of the Japanese guys that show up for Washugal and do well? Are any of them like a complete mystery, or is it just like ah, it's a Japanese guy? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right? I think it's. I think it's just a Japanese guy. You're um, like, oh, one of the Japanese pros came over for the weekend, right. probably with Jim Holly. Oh, they're always with Jim Holly. I count on that. Uh, there's a guy, Ryan Granton, Grantom from Texas. Oh, yeah, I know him. Oh, you do? I know him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, never yeah. heard of him. Uh, uh, shout out Colton Fasciati, by the way, 24-21, and the last guy to get lapped in Moto2 uh, by these by Stu and Ricky. That doesn't seem right. 21st gets, a, gets you the last lap? No. But he was yeah, there. That seems odd. He was right there, right at the end of the race. He was actually kind of got in Stu's way a little bit. Fasciati did. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, next category, Lit Kid Award. Lit Kid Award. I mean, man, I looked for some photos. I don't see a ton of photos out there. Um, the Fox stuff, Ricky's Fox stuff looked great. Um, there is a, a, an amazing photo, like you said, Weege, of him flying through the air uh, from his crash. I imagine Cudby shot it. Um, yeah. Chad's stuff looks all right. Um, Thor, sort of that burgundy color. I don't know. What do you got, Weege? Yeah, I, I've said several times, I feel like this is a low point in style for gear, uh, this whole era. It got a little worse. Like, this is maybe still somewhat decent in 06, but I feel like by the end of the 2000s, or the aughts, it was getting worse and worse. Uh, nothing's really that good. I'll just go with uh, I'll just go with somebody's wearing no fear. Was Millsaps still in no fear? I was going to no go with Millsaps. Yeah, he's Mil- he's no fear. He's not Scott yet? No. Okay. Uh, Wyndham had no fear, but he was all white. I didn't think that looked very good. So I'm gonna go with Millsaps. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a good one. Uh, JT, uh, I'm gonna go with. I thought Chad's look. This was uh, this was prime Thor years. Um, this is probably their heyday as far as a, a brand. Um, so I'll go Chad. Yeah, 05, really good stuff. Uh, it was. 06 yeah. too. Yep, yep. Thor yep. was Thor had it going on for sure. Uh, all right, shit kid award. I mean, I'm going to go, speaking of Thor, I'll just go, I don't even know what they had on this day, but I'll go the pro circuit guys for Thor around this era. They wore a lot of the cheaper line of gear. I think they are just trying to sell that. It never looked good. Um, yeah, I'll go shit kid. I'll go that. JT, I did find a picture of Shorty at this day, uh, and it, it's dark blue, yellow. You know, he's got okay. ch- chest yep. pro on. I, I remember the look. Yep. Yeah, it is a good look. It absolutely is a good look uh, for Fly. So, um, I'll go I'll, shit kid. I'll go, I'll go the PC guys. It just looks so bland back then. Weech. Um, 
that's kind of harsh. I, I thought it looked okay. okay. So that's your shit kit. Um, yeah, it's really hard when you watch this washed out yeah. uh, TV footage. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to remember what I saw back then. I feel like um, was YOT was YOT Fly at that time. Yeah, they were. Yeah, this is it. Didn't look good, but it really wasn't Fly's fault. That Yamaha had the rule, right, where they had to be blue and white all the time. Yep. Yeah, and that really held it back. Like, unfortunately, I think Chad's Thor era doesn't seem like it's that good because there were so many complaints that they couldn't change it up. Um, so I, I felt like I was so bored with just seeing five YOT guys wearing the same look every week. Not really Fly's fault, but and it, those are the rules. It was light blue too, not dark blue. I don't know if it had to be a certain shade of blue but the fly nope. stuff was light yeah what it's cutting out real bad on my end oh okay all right uh jt yeah, is cutting out now jt shit kit for you um that's a tough one i'm gonna say uh you're good you're not gonna like this but i'm gonna say timmy's o'neill look no yeah tri- you're you're triple x you're fine yeah that's wasn't wasn't a huge fan of that didn't it have like little O'Neill everywhere on it? Like, uh, yeah, like, and it had like I don't even know, man. It was like some of the busiest gear I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Not a, not a huge fan. No, you're right. No, I'm fine. Uh, Dude, Shorty's gear looks so good. Like, just take the reins off. If the YLT guys could wear that, they'd look great. Like, it's really a shame. You don't even want to know the number of times I heard Chad yell and scream about that about gear I know. And color. Yeah, he was he was absolutely. It drove him nuts. It probably caused him to leave Yamaha. To be honest, um, <laughs> JT, do you think that YOT literally wear the same exact gear at every race all year? Uh, probably. Yeah, I have some yeah. of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. It's not really flies fault. It's just whatever this weirdo team thing was. Got a yeah, they definitely didn't want to get fined. It was. Uh, I know in Chad's deal, it was sixty six thousand a race to not wear blue. Was his fine? Sixty six thousand. Uh huh. But I think at this year is the year he fought for it and got to wear non-blue for four races or eight well, races or whatever. At, yeah. So at, uh, if you'll remember at Vegas, he didn't wear it. He wore yellow and that because he's like, I, I got to wear yellow to win the title. It's my lucky gear, blah, blah, blah. 66 grand. God. Uh-huh. Um, but then, like I said, he worked in his contract where he did get to wear different colors. Something happened. Um, and he was able to do it for – X amount of races. Yeah, that one M it changed for sure. Uh, all right, Lee re raceables category. Where's JT? That's the category. I love how in the vault it's Jason quotations JT Thomas in the in the racerex <laughs> vault. That's great. Um, Sixteen nineteen on the day. And and are you going to pull a Tim Ferry here? Are you just? Do, is there anything you remember from the race itself? Yes. Uh, um. Did you fly private? No. Okay. Uh, that was, I don't know if Chad was fine private. Maybe that was the beginning of it. Um, I'm just trying to think of anything that would jog your memory for 1619. Not particular, man. It was kind of just a blah day for me. I know okay. that's a terrible answer, but no, I don't yeah. think, I can't think of anything spectacular. All right. Uh, Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best without you really thinking about it. I mean, I think JT nailed it with Dan, Dan Sani, 10 10. Ninth overall. Dan Sani. Yeah, Dan Sani. Um, Ouija, got anybody? Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that one sticks out, knowing he's around the top 10. Um, I didn't even know he raced 450s, so that's what I was going to go with as well. I'll go Troy Adams. Really? His, his time at Pro Circuit was not good, 
Um, one and done. But he goes six five on the day for fourth overall. Mm. You know, I feel like Troy Adams, good rider. JT, you know him well. Um, yeah. You know, really, really good dude. And yeah, fourth overall, bigger dude on a two fifty F six five. Good job, Troy Adams. Jacob Marsak Award. Named after Jacob Marsak, JT, for getting third at Daytona. Oh, yeah. That, uh, was, uh, that was an incredible performance by him. Uh, what do you got, JT, for that? Uh, you stole my Troy Adams oh, Thunder. Okay. Um, so let's go. I t- t- took Daniel Sani already. That was another one that would have mm. fit perfectly. Gary Sutherland, um, J- JT, Gary Sutherland, fly racing oh, employee. 35 wow. 32. I'll go Matt Gurky in fifth. This was uh, this was early Matt Gurky days, early. So he's kind of uh, in his breakout breakout here. And he goes five fourteen for fifth. Yeah, five fourteen. <laughs> yep. Jesus. Wow. Okay. Um, good job on that one, Matt. Matt, what team was Matt on? Uh, he was Yama on. Troy. Oh, Yamaha Troy. Yeah. Okay. And only uh. Two short years later, he'd win Southwick. Three short years later, he'd win Southwick. Three. Three yep. on a factory Yamaha. Fill in, right? Yep. Good times. All right. Uh, that's been the Lee at Re-Raceables. Washugo 06. Um, JT's choice. Not, uh, again, for the reasons that he told us. What a summer it was for, for Carmichael and Stewart. It was great. Oh, yeah. I hope Maybe we can get that back one day. That'd be great. Uh, what do you mean? Them racing each other? No. Just that kind of battles. Oh, you know what I think makes it also look so wide open? I would just imagine, JT, this is early days of 450s. The things probably didn't handle very well. I would imagine. Oh, they're all right. Oh, okay. they're pretty good. You want to think about, like, early days of 250Fs. Troy Adams 6.5, his bike was probably a lot better than a lot of other 250Fs out on the track. You know? Yeah. I would just thought some of the reason that Stu and RC look so wide open is because they're Mm. manhandling these things much more so then they probably have to be written out. But Dan Carmichael, yeah, as you also pointed out, JT, he does say the 04 CRF450R might be the best bike he ever raced, so it mustn't be that bad. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, there were, I mean, the, the chassis haven't, I don't think, like frame-wise, have gotten that much better. Like, it's not like they revolutionized everything. Like, it's just been incremental improvements, mm-hmm. I think. You know, there's probably a bigger improvement I, I like when you hear Kiefer talk about this. It's so funny. Think people think chassis, suspension, and weight. I would imagine the power delivery is probably what's changed uh, more than anything, maybe on these. Oh, without days. a doubt, the, yeah. the introduction of ECU and traction control and all that changed that stuff more than anything. Like the, yep. the power manipulation and well, yeah, it, it's it re- revolutionized those motorcycles. Carburetors and four fifty four strokes weren't fans of each other. It was tough too. Hondas were great. The Honda yeah. was fantastic. I, the 450, I never had a problem ever with a Honda 450 carburation or bogging. The Yamaha was an absolute nightmare. I mean, a nightmare. But the Honda was really, really good in that department. Same carb too. Same carburetor. FCR. The the F, yeah. yeah. I don't know what the difference. Like the, the Yamaha wanted to blow off the back and bog. Yeah, yeah and, not not only so much blowing off the back because that's like a functional mechanical issue but yeah just just bogging and jetting and temperature changes and yep. all sorts of things like that temperamental and, and we we would try different valves and different cams and it never seemed to fix a carburetor problem that would pop up so it always seemed like it was a carburetor problem and not a motor problem 
But uh, yeah. yeah, lots of lots of late nights with four-stroke carburetors. That's for sure. Yeah. Honda, Honda was just ahead at that time in that department. They yeah. just were yep. whatever they were doing. They were they had it figured out. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks, JT. Thanks for jumping on for the Lee at Reraceables. Uh, yeah, lots of fun. Thank you for coming on. Uh, good times. No worries. Thanks for having me. And Weege, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks to all the sponsors as well. Thanks to you people for listening. Thanks, Weege. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. See you. See you.